Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Good morning. How many like starting at 11? Yeah. It looks from the crowd that you guys do too. So that's good. I'm glad we just switched this to my. So I uh, it's good to see everyone. And I'm glad we're starting at 11 and we will have some. Um, actually early morning services when we show up so there's lots of people that still like to come early and get on with their day so we are wanting to accommodate everybody's needs but this works for me <laughs> okay let's, let's pray a minute thank you Father. thank you for this time thank you for us being able to gather thank you God that we have the ability to gather, we experience being locked out of our building and shut out for so long. And God, I pray that it will make us appreciate what we have. Yes. And we pray that you would continue to give the church favor and grace. Yes. God, give the church in this nation favor yes. and grace to continue to do your work, to continue to do your will. God, we pray that you would give the church favor and grace. God, and that you would stir the church to accomplish its mission to bring your gospel to the ends of the earth. Starting here, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, it's good to see everybody, and it's good to be here, and we do have some uh, seats up here if anyone comes in, um, tends to get crowded a little there in the back. So we're starting a new series on the book of Jonah, so I get to start it off. And I'll be concentrating on the first chapter, but of course we know the story, most of us, so um, we'll understand where the story is going, and I may bring in a few aspects of um, some other chapters, especially at the end, just to bring um, some understanding. But uh, I, was, I was really enjoying just reading this book again and coming to a better understanding. You know, no matter how long we have known the Lord, no matter how much we have read the same Bible over and over again is inexhaustible. The Bible is inexhaustible. The Word of God is inexhaustible, which means there, there's always something more you will get out of it. There's always something more God will speak. There's always a greater enlightenment that you will get. It's not like you just learn some stories and that's it. There's just a wealth and a continual flow of wisdom and understanding that just constantly comes out of the Word. So. It, it, it should never, ever be boring, and uh, I love how we just pull more out of it. So we're going to pull a lot of things out of it today. I'm going to start by reading the first chapter of Jonah. And let me just say this. I had a hard week. It was a real hard week. And um, I'm thankful that I can be up here and be sharing. But just so you know, that even in the midst of everything we have to do, just so that we relate to each other. Sometimes people think those that serve God are just kind of whisked on a cloud, you know, and, and brought to where they need to be, and it's not so. 
So Jonah chapter 1, and uh, let's put it up in the back as we read it together on the slide. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now I want to bring up that twice already it says, and it states that Jonah was running away from the Lord. Uh, and, and God was sending Jonah to Nineveh, which was on the far east, and Jonah instead took a boat to the farthest west he could possibly go, to the end of the line, to Tarshish. It's like taking the train in the wrong direction to the last stop intentionally. So when we, and when we run away from God, and this is going to be a main point in this message, when we run away from God's assignment, because see, uh, it says that God told Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. And, but it clearly says here that Jonah ran from the Lord. Jonah was running from God's assignment, but when we run from God's assignment, we are running away from God. And that's going to be the main point I want us to understand here. So, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So you notice, similar to Jesus, you know, Jonah wasn't worried about his eternal state. He was running away from God. He was running away from his assignment. These guys were terrified for their lives. They didn't know where they were going to go. They didn't know where their afterlife would be. Jonah had a security in God, so he was just pretty snug, falling asleep. He didn't care what happened. He really, pretty much, part of him just wanted to die because he was so frustrated with his assignment, uh, as we'll see later on in the book. But he didn't care what about anything. He had no cares in the world. There he was sleeping. And they, they got upset, and they came um, down, and they said, how could you sleep? Get up and call on your God, because they were all calling on their gods. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They were just giving him the third degree, because he was the one that was bringing this on. And he answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. So here, Jonah is making a statement of comparison to all the gods they were praying to and to the God that he serves and worships. So even in the midst of his disobedience, Jonah was testifying to the God, and they were receiving it to, to the only God. Um, so... Here, here he is running from God, disobeying, but yet witnessing for the Lord. And this terrified them. So now they're really terrified because Jonah is serving the God that made everything. And, and somehow this God is upset at Jonah. So they said, what have you done? 
They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, okay, what should we do? Um, you know, what are we going to do to make this sea calm down for us? So Jonah tells them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. You know, it's, who, who, who says that? <laughs> so they took Jonah. Uh, well, first they said, they, then they cried out to the Lord, and now they're all crying out to Jonah's God. Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. So they, they were, had convictions for this. Do not hold us, hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So now a whole ship of people that are serving all kinds of false gods now all come and worship and offer sacrifices to our God, to the God of the universe, to the God that created the heavens and the earth. It's amazing, you know, how even in Jonah's disobedience, God was using him. I love it. So, uh, so, and you know, I don't want to get into chapter two, but you know, we kind of know what goes on. And I love chapter two, it's mainly Jonah's prayer. So when you get to chapter two, and you can even read ahead, you'll see Jonah's experience once he's thrown overboard. And I mean, it must have been terrifying. Just imagine being thrown into a raging sea. I can't imagine, water scares me. Rough water scares me. I love the ocean. I love to swim in the ocean, but when those waves erupt, and a couple of times I've almost drowned in my life, when, when, when those waves are pulling on you, it's, it's terrifying. And so, um, so Jonah shares his terrifying experience in his prayer, in his song, um, in the next chapter, which we're not going to get into now. So we're going to continue here. And uh, of course, we all know that you know uh, what God does. Um, and we'll read on that next week. The first part of chapter 2 says that, you know, uh, God sent a fish, a huge fish. Um, we say it's a whale, but we don't know if it was a whale or another fish. And it's interesting that there was actually, I think it was about a year ago, I don't know if you all saw the news article of a man that was oh, yeah, actually yeah, swallowed yeah, yeah. by, I think it was a whale or some huge fish and got out. Yeah. So we know that these Bible stories are not just little fairy tales, they're real. So God did do this, and, and he was in there. So God was sending Jonah east to Nineveh to carry out assignment, and instead Jonah fled from God and went as far west as he could go. Jonah wasn't running from God because he was out feeling guilty about being promiscuous or wanting to do drugs or stealing and cheating. See, sometimes we just equate running from God with running into sin. We equate running from God with running into bad lifestyles. We equate running from God into going back into old ways that maybe we lived before we knew Christ. Uh, and, and Jonah was not any of those things. He was a man that followed the law and the commandments. He was living his life right according to the Jewish tradition and the law of Moses. He was running because he did not like an assignment that God was giving him. And not only did he not want to do it, but he did not think it was 
the right thing to do in his own mind and his judgment. So why was this assignment so undesirable for Jonah? It wasn't because God wanted to destroy Nineveh and people will die. See, Jonah wasn't concerned that people in Nineveh would die. Jonah probably would have loved it had that been the outcome and probably would have gone. It was because he knew that there was a good chance they would listen to the preaching and repent and God would have mercy on, him, on them. He didn't want to preach because he was suspect that they would repent and him, knowing God's character, knew that God would have mercy on them and relent. And he said so himself, if you don't believe me, in chapter 4. It said it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry when God relented his judgment because people repented. Seems that Jonah wanted them to be destroyed. And so he figured if he didn't go preach, their sin would eventually bring God's judgment, and that's what he would have preferred. Seems bizarre, huh? Yeah. Well, before you go judging Jonah, <laughs> let's get a little historical context and see why this may have been. So Nineveh was not a city of the nation of Israel, but a city of Assyria. It was a great city. The greatest city at that time with a huge population. It was a main port of all trade. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, a long-time enemy of Israel. It was uh, Assyria that was responsible for bringing the northern kingdom of Israel to an end, devastating Jerusalem in 701 BC. So like, okay, I'm beginning to get it. And, and, and you know what? They, they were not only wicked in this city, which God said to preach because there was so much wickedness and sin, but they were bringing harm to Israel. They were out against Israel. They were destroying them. And, and, and so we can better understand this. I can relate. You know, I get it, Jonah. We didn't like it when planes went into our towers on September 11th. And, and, and I use this analogy because we just celebrated the 9-11, or just commemorated the anniversary of 9-11. And so this is a great way for us to maybe understand a little bit about how Jonah was feeling. Because I remember back then how hard it was. I can understand Jonah's feeling. We have to understand the context and remember the trauma. When I see pictures, it still traumatizes me. Some of you were too young to really fully understand it, but those that of us that experienced it watched it. It was traumatizing for us, especially who live in this city. It was a moment I will never forget, a day I will never forget. etched in our hearts, in our lives, in our memories forever. So we have to understand the context. Jonah wasn't just going anywhere to preach, as if God Think of it as if God was sending you to the Taliban. You'd be more than glad to bring the message God's going to destroy you. Why did Jonah not want to go? This is what he said. Oh Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled at first towards Tarshish. I knew that you were our gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding kindness, repenting of punishment. So Jonah is acknowledging, he knows God. And he's saying, this is why I didn't want to go, God. <laughs> it's like, it, it's, it's just amazing. So we understand that Jonah knows God, but he doesn't have God's heart. Mm -hmm. 
Jonah was a devout Jew, and as, as a good Jew, he was devoted to preserving the nation of Israel and following the law of God. The nation of Israel was God's messengers at that time. He was probably disgusted with the wickedness of Nineveh, as any good God-fearing person should be, right? But if we are God-fearing and God-following, then what was God's posture in all of this? God wanted Jonah to preach to Nineveh, not because he wanted to destroy them, but in hopes of them repenting, and Jonah knew that and didn't want to go. God loved the Ninevites in their wickedness, in their sin, even though they were destroying the nation that God established as his own. He loved the Ninevites. See, this is Old Testament, folks. We always think, oh, the New Testament, God loves everybody. The Old Testament was just about the Jews. No. God loved everybody then, too. God always loved everybody. They're all his creation. So God loved the Ninevites. Jonah didn't. And that's where he was missing God's heart. So this story characterizes a narrow mentality which would see God's interests extending only to Israel, whereas God is presented as concerned with and merciful to even the inhabitants of Nineveh. The problem with Jonah was that he was a nationalist, an ambassador of heart of the nation of Israel more than an ambassador of God himself. And what we want to get into this week and see is how easily we can fall into the same dilemma as Jonah. As the memorials of 9-11 are fresh in our mind, it's a good example. I as I said, I remember that day. Um, and it was interesting, and, and, and I love how we honor our heroes. So when we're remembering that day, we're not remembering in a place of hatred, we're remembering our heroes. We're remembering those that perished. And that's good, we need to remember and honor them. But when this all first happened, there was a clear shift in sentiment towards all Muslims and Arabs in general who were in or coming into this nation. And many American Christians hated them and wanted them to go home. Um, and so I remember around that time, I was in the, uh, and not long after, I, I had been in one of my women's prayer summit um, meetings. So we had several uh, citywide prayer summits of women across the entire city of New York. And we were planning one of them. And I remember we were planning these prayer targets and what all the prayer targets would be. And one of uh, the leaders on our team, you know, wanted to pray that God would shut the doors for Muslims to come into our nation. And I had a problem with that. Because, see, they were looking at it as nationalists, not as God's ambassadors. And it's easy to do that. Because we were hurt by things that happened. We want to protect ourselves and guard ourselves. But when we see it as God's ambassadors, we see it different. And I had to explain to them that they wanted to pray um, to stop, stop them from coming in, that people would leave. Uh, there were people even doing worse things. Uh, but even just that alone, these were wonderful people that wanted to pray this. And so, what I shared with them is I said, look, we are called to preach the gospel to everybody. And God wants everyone to hear the gospel and get saved. 
We cannot go to these nations and preach the gospel. We cannot go to Muslim nations and preach the gospel. How are they going to hear it? If God brings them here, we can preach the gospel to them. Let me talk for myself. 
But yet God is letting us speak for him, even when we botch it up. And so it says, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's our message. Um, we have the same call as Jonah. We are modern-day Jonas. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 through 19, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. We have to understand, this is the first part. He reconciled us to himself through Christ, and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now we need to understand First, that that word of reconciliation starts with us getting reconciled. So we don't, we're not God. See, God is who he is. He can pronounce judgment on anyone. There is no sin in God, no evil in God, no wickedness, nothing wrong with him. When he judges, he judges rightly. When we judge, we're condemning others for the same things we're guilty of. So Jonah didn't want reconciliation, he wanted revenge, he wanted judgment. And how easy it is for us to fail to comprehend the depth of God's love and compassion. How we so easily write people off when he wants to give them a chance. How easily we look down on others in their sin. We condemn and judge when God wants to bring about repentance and show mercy. We who are the messengers ourselves are sinners saved by God's mercy and we need to always have that set in our mind as a starting point because we may start out that way and forget it we may get our lives cleaned up by the mercy of God and then be out there like telling everybody else what they're doing wrong forgetting where we came from so we ourselves sinners saved by God's mercy sharing that experience with others so that they can have what we receive. So we were reconciled and now we implore others to be reconciled. And so this is, this is so important because this is how we preach the gospel. We don't preach the gospel by condemning everybody else. We preach the gospel best by sharing our story of reconciliation. You know, I remember when we first came into this neighborhood, there was a lot of little storefront legalistic churches and they were all out And nobody, they, they got no response, nobody listened to them, everybody was annoyed, all they would do was just yelling and blasting everyone for all of their sins, condemning them to hell. And then when we began to do street meetings, we would set up all of our equipment and we would just have people share their stories of what God did in their life. And that drew People needed to hear those stories. People need to hear your story of reconciliation. Your story of reconciliation will help someone else be reconciled to God. They don't need to be condemned. They don't need anyone else to tell them what they're doing wrong. They need to hear that there is a way out that God has made for them. That there's a God that loves them in their sin and made a way for them to be reconciled to Him the same way you are. So, when, when Christians begin to look 
down on others, we are in trouble and our message will become skewed and ineffective. It's like the parable of those two people in the synagogue praying. Um, one was asking for mercy, acknowledging himself as a sinner, the other a Pharisee talking about all the things he was doing that were good. And, and I'm just going to read that. It said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. They were thieves. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other man. Swindlers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I'm telling you, Christians, after they've been saved for a while, can easily get the same attitude in their heart. We have to be so careful. And so he says, all well, that I, I fast twice a week, I pay tithes on all I require, but the tax collector stood at a distance, unwilling to even look up his eyes to him. Instead, he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus. That this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified. You know, it's, it's funny, I had an experience this week. I, it was a hard week, and I was feeling bad about a lot of things that happened, and even about a lot of ways I responded. And, and I was driving, and I just put on some music, and I was worshiping God. And as I was worshiping God, you know, it was just so amazing. I was just and then it really struck me that I worship God because, not because I'm worthy, but because He is worthy. Yeah. See, so many times when we feel unworthy, we don't worship God, but we don't get it. We're not worshiping God because we're good. We're not worshiping God because we're worthy. We're worshiping God because He's worthy. Every generation, 
is rebellious, and sometimes we're rebelling against legitimate things, honestly. So there's always something there. Because um, no generation is perfect. But I remember that people would turn away from churches. Guys who had long hair turned away from churches unless they got their hair cut. Um, and this was happening so many places. And the places where it was not happening, the churches were filling up. It was filling up. It was such a revival during that time. And it just filling up with people coming to Christ as they were. So, um, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care. It's only short. It really doesn't. He cares that you come to him, get reconciled to him. He cares what's inside. The Pharisees are the ones that judge by the outside. Jesus judged by the inside. And so I remember um, when, when AIDS was rampant in the 80s, I didn't see a lot of Christian ambassadors looking to help, heal, find a cure, find ways to help people that were struggling. But I did see a lot that would judge and even say it serves them right to die from this disease. And if people weren't saying it, too many were thinking it. We speak against abortion, but what are we doing to help young unmarried women that get pregnant? Too many churches shame girls, driving them to get abortions, and then condemning them when they get abortions. Now, I thank God for the young girls that didn't let that shame, often from the religious community, drive them, uh, stop them from having their babies. And I'm not saying we embrace a culture of sex outside of marriage, and I'm not condemning those that have had abortions. I'm speaking to how the church shames people rather than brings them to reconciliation with God. Yes, we need to feel guilt for our sins. This is part of repentance unto salvation. But there's a difference between shame and guilt. Guilt is for our actions. Shame is for who you are. And you're going to read a lot about this when my book comes out soon. Um, But when we have shame, it's for who we are. And God, we are created in God's image as wonderful people. And when we start to feel horrible about the person we are, that is not good. And when we make people feel horrible for who they are, that is not good. And so often the church has shamed people rather than help them come to repentance for the things that God wants to bring repentance about for their own well-being. So sometimes we feel God's kindness to others is unfair to us, like the parable of the ten laborers sent out into a field at different times of day. Some worked more, some worked less, and they all got the same money. And the ones that worked more and got the same money were complaining. And Jesus said, is your heart evil because mine is good? Wow. Well, like the prodigal son, the son that stayed back and did everything right was not happy at the welcoming committee for the son that had squandered and sinned. See, we have to get God's heart and understand God's heart. Jonah was all about himself and his country and God is wanting to save everyone. So what is our general assignment? The same as Jonah's. If we are not sharing the gospel of repentance and salvation in Christ, we are running. 
So we are all, if we are not part of this message of reconciliation, that we are not fulfilling our assignment, and if we are running from our assignment according to what I read in Jonah, we're running from God. And so when we're running, we're going to wind up in our own wells. We have to do this right. Often the, the many of the much of the church of this country has gotten it wrong, and that's why there's a lack of respect and drawing to Christ. It's not because of our faith, but because often of our poor representation. If we're not acting like ambassadors of God's love and mercy, then we are running just like Jonah, and we will find ourselves in the belly of the whale till we get it right. Jesus spoke about Nineveh. He said, these wicked people that repented will rise up and condemn the self-righteous religious people in Jerusalem and the world. Jesus said it would be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in judgment, a city known for rampant homosexuality, than it would be for Jerusalem. Our job is to bring the gospel and to be his true ambassadors. The nation of Israel was called to be his ambassador, but they were missing it. We want to make sure we don't miss it, because we can fall into some of the same traps that they did. Now, I want to talk a little before I close about a little more about running from God, because this is what this chapter is all about. And as I said, when we run from God's assignments, for whatever reason, we are running from God. And when you're running from God, you're walking away from so much more. Your peace, your destiny, your joy. You lose something of the joy of the Lord and the presence of God when you run from Him. And now, we need to understand and not deceive ourselves thinking that running from God means that we're living in wickedness or like the Ninevites. That we're in some gross sin because the Bible says that all disobedience is sin, not just the obvious ones. So when we're referring to people walking away from God, it doesn't mean they're going back into lifestyles we consider sinful behaviors. As I mentioned, Jonah was a good man running from an assignment from God. He was worshiping God and witnessing to people on the boat while he was running from God's assignment, while he was running from God, he said, I'm a Hebrew, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. The boat acknowledged it. Jonah was still running from God, and God was not letting him off the hook. What are some of the underlying reasons Jonah would be fleeing from God? How often do we avoid God's call and wind up running from God ourselves, even though we're still trying to live good lives? Quote scriptures, profess our faith, lift up prayers for others. Jonah was not willing to deal with his own feelings regarding the people God was sending him to. He disagreed with God. He was unwilling to let go of his own responses. He had his own agenda, his own opinion, his own justification for his opinion. Like many of us, Christians often leave places they were assigned to because it's hard, because they get hurt because of offense, because it became too painful, because things didn't go the way they wanted, because there was problems, because of their own opinions, and the list goes on and on. But when God gives you an assignment and assigns you to a place to serve him, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with all God is doing, because of course you know better, or say it's not God, it's the devil or the leaders that are missing it, or if you're just tired of dealing with people and have been 
that have been challenging to you, if you don't feel like standing your ground thick and thin in his assignment, if you walk away from it, you are walking away from God. And you will not be fully at peace or at your best until you return to what he has assigned you and you continue from there. And I've seen it so many times in the course of having this church. I've seen it. I've seen people that even walked away for a wrong reason and stumbled and never really got where they were supposed to with God and never fulfilled their call until they returned. And some of them returned and then we sent them out. Wasn't like they even had a say here, but they were sent out on assignment from the right place. You see, Jonah had to get spit up, swallowed by well, spit up back at the starting point and then get back on track. And often that's what we need to do, or else we're going to just be stuck in the belly of a whale. I know what it's like to want to run away from God at times. Times when you just don't want to do the things, you don't want things to go the way God seems to be making them happen, for whatever reason. God wants you to do something, to face something, to say and deal with something, and you want to go as far as you can in the opposite direction. It feels like freedom to hop on the entry and take it all the way up to the last stop in the Bronx. You're physically far from the unwanted situation, but it won't leave you. Hop on a plane, get in your car, and flee as if you could really get away. I, I remember that there was times when I just wanted to run from God's assignment. It was just too hard, too many things pressing in, too, too much pain. And I just wanted to like fly to the other side of the world, join the foreign missions or something. <laughs> I wanted to do that so bad. And if I didn't want to, if I didn't do that, then I wanted to die. And, and you know what? That's the same thing Jonah said in the end of this book. But you can't run from God, it doesn't work. God is trying to deal with us, force us to face things about ourselves, better equip us, using situations, using other people. The more you try to run, the more you miss out on what God has, and he has to keep redirecting to try to get you back to that starting point and move on from there. God knows what he's doing. It's better to get on his, board his train from the beginning. But even when we miss it, He'll send us a whale, spit us back up there. It takes humility and brokenness. And even, it's, it's amazing, like, what Job experienced, I mean, Job experienced, got him back to obey the assignment, but his heart still wasn't right. And so we'll find out at the end of the book how God had to still deal with his heart. And God loves us. He loves us when we're self-righteous. He loves us when we're sinners. He loves us in every place we're at. He loves us. He sees every good thing in us. He sees every good thing in everyone, every one of his creatures. We need to see it in ourselves and see it in others. Sometimes we represent God right and sometimes we don't. Let's do what God is calling us to do and not run. We may, may not always feel comfortable with it. We may not always agree with it. 
It may be challenging to us. Let's not run, make excuses, justify it. Let's not let our own feelings dictate what we believe the will of God should be. God is so good. You know, it hasn't been always an easy journey pastoring at this church. Honestly, I didn't want to be a pastor or pastor's wife at all to begin with. I always tell people, and I'm not going to go into the story, but God tricked me. <laughs> because I was adamant I would never marry a pastor. So we became pastors after we got married. That wasn't, that wasn't my plan. God tricked me. I can't say it's always been an easy journey. But I can say when you dig in your heels for God's assignment, no matter what, His peace will be with you. And, 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 and whatever it is God's assignments are, or whatever it is He moves you on to do, it has to be from one place to the next of fulfilling your assignments. You see, God had to bring Jonah back to fulfill that, to even move him on to whatever else He did. We have to we have to, if, we're, if we've walked away from an assignment, you're walking away from God, you have to walk back to that assignment and then move on yes. from there. Yes. And know that God loves you in the midst of it all. Is there anything I've learned over the, um, like 45 years I've known the Lord? Actually more than that. Yes, like the 50 years I've known the Lord. It's the thing that I keep learning more about is His love. The thing that I keep finding out more about is His love. It's mind-blowing. And how we don't really get it. And how much we need Him so that we can have that and bring that to others. And it doesn't, we just have to find God's way. If we have God's heart, we can stand for what's right and true in the right way. And if we love people more than we hate their sin. Come on. Come on. So let's continue to allow God to use us. Church, we're starting a new church here now. information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.